Amen. Um, let me pray. Father, we come before you again in the name of your son, Jesus. Father, we ask that you help us to see him this morning. Father, that is the main thing we're asking this morning. Help us to see Jesus, God. Uh, Father, if, if my brothers and sisters are like me, there's always so much cloud in your mind. It's hard to keep focused for a few minutes at a time. Father, I know there are many of us distracted even now. God, I pray you would grab our attention with the goodness, the glory of Jesus. All of our worries coming back into our mind, Father, we pray you would show us how much bigger Jesus is in those worries. And Father, we pray you'd help us to see him clearly this morning. Uh, Father, we, we pray that you'd speak to us from your word. Father, this would not be a time um, you know, wasted on the opinions of, of men, God, but that you would speak to us as only you can. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read from Psalm 139. Psalm 139. And I'm going to start reading at verse 13. This is what God's word says. I'm sorry, I didn't give you enough time. My bad. Well, you got to say, I got it. If you ain't got to say, wait. Praise God for your courage. You know, sometimes people don't like people to know they're still looking. You do not get extra rewards in heaven for flipping quick. All right. This is what God's word said, verse 13. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. That's God's word. You can be seated. Good morning. Um, real quick, um, thank you, uh, Tim, for the encouraging words. I just want to say, um, and thank you all for the opportunity to get to be here and preach God's word. Um, this is my favorite place to be. It feels like home. Still my favorite place to preach. Still my favorite place to worship. And so I, I do feel really, really grateful to get to be here preach God's word. And if you're saying, I've never seen this man, don't worry about it. Uh, but I'm, I'm excited to get to be here and, and to serve you this morning. Um, so, you know, I know y'all are in this relationship series, um, which I got to say, you know, even as I was um, thinking about just something that would support that relationship series, I was thinking about um, how grateful I am for men like Mo, who are um, who exemplify some of the love that you're, that you're thinking about even as you, you think about these relationships. Because when you think about how relationships work within one another, the foundation of all of those things is love, how we interact with each other, right? Now, look, Tim was up here reading Scripture, and y'all was talking back. So I'm, I know <laughs> this is a new phase of Cornerstone where people talk back. I've already seen you came front of them. <laughs> the Lord is watching. Don't deceive me. Um, love, love is that foundation. One example of uh, the way Mo is loving, last time I was here, he very kindly let me stay at his house, me and all my kids. And they also have kids. It was a lot of kids. 
at one time in one place. Another way that Mo showed his love for me is that my flight last night was supposed to get in. He was like, I'm going to come get you. I was like, bro, I'm an Uber. And then my flight got delayed, so it was supposed to get in at like one something. I was like, bro, I'm going to just Uber. He was like, no, I got you, bro. I'm going to come pick you up. I was like, you sure it's late? And he was willing. Now, I don't think his body made it, though, because <laughs> when I landed, there was a text that said, bro, it's getting in at like two, so I, I think you should just Uber. But, <laughs> but what we know is where his heart was, what the intention was. And I made it. We're here, so we're good. Um, this text we're looking at, Psalm 139, um, what I'm hoping to do is, since y'all been talking about relationships, I just want to give some reminders to kind of firm up the foundation for what all of that stuff is built on. All that good relationship stuff, how we're talking about loving one another, how we're talking about dealing with conflict, how we're talking about friendships, how we're talking about marriage, all of it is rooted in some of the stuff that I want to help lay foundation for. The way we view ourselves and the way we view other people is huge for that. Who you think you are and who you think other people are shapes how you interact with others. It shapes your relationships. And so in this text in Psalm 139, that's some of the main questions we're asking. Who do we think we are? Who do we think they are? And how does that impact those relationships? Um, I'll start just by telling you something um, just from my life. Growing up, my dad, you know, he... He had all these little phrases he would say to me all the time, and one of them that drove me the most crazy was he would say, boy, I know you better than you know yourself. Drove me crazy. And it doesn't matter what, I mean, it was like a trump card he could throw in at any moment, you know, like, Dad, I, you know, I'm hungry, but I don't want, I'm not hungry, and I don't want meatloaf for dinner. He was like, you are hungry, you will have meatloaf for dinner. I know you better than you know yourself. No, I didn't like it. No, you're going to like it. Well, I know you better than you know yourself. Or, Dad, you know, I, 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 no, I can, dri- I, I can drive. I, you know, it's not going to be too late for me to drive home. He's like, it is going to be too late. You're going to fall asleep and crash. I know you better than you know yourself. Now, to be fair, there was a lot of times he did, you know, because no more than I did because he was old and I was a kid, right? There were some things he understood better. He had a clearer vantage point for what life is like and, and some more clearness to see me with. Um, and in a... Um, the, the reason he would say to me, I know you better than you know yourself, is he was trying to, to put me back in my place. He was like, you feeling yourself, all right, relax. I know that you think you know a lot, but you don't. I know more, and I need to remind you that there's some stuff you don't understand that I do. Now, in a similar fashion, when we begin to think about ourselves, I know, we assume, if anybody knows me, it's me. If anybody understands me the best, it's me. And God, And texts like these are saying to us, I know you better than you know yourself. There's some things about you that you you don't understand as well as you think you do. And God, you know, my dad was just older than me. Obviously, God has a much clearer vantage point. Uh, And so we're going to look through uh, some of that in this text. And I just want to say this, um, you are not the expert on yourself. Um, And when we don't know ourselves and we don't know other people that well, you know, it can lead to things. We can misread situations. We can interact in ways we shouldn't. You know, sometimes you get mad at somebody for something they did where they, um, you, you felt like they offended you, but really it was just our own insecurity the whole time, and we feel like they just really did something to it, but it was, it was because of our own insecurity, because we don't understand ourselves. It causes all kinds of issues in our life, and God wants to put us back in our place, because when we're able to see ourselves the way God sees us, when we're able to see other people the way that God sees us, it's going to help us with these relationships. Does that make sense? 
So if you walk away with one thing, I want it to be that. God knows us better than we know ourselves. God knows better than we know ourselves. Um, This psalm, Psalm 139, just to give you a little bit of background, um, talks about how God knows everything, right? That he is omniscient. He has all knowledge. Um, It it talks about how he's uh, omnipresent, too. You know, when Jordan was up here singing and was singing that he's here, I was reminded, oh, yeah, when we gather together to worship, the God of the universe is present. He's in this room. The most important person, you know, like he's here. Um, And that should change how we think about life all around us. Um, But what it's mainly talking about in this text is that God knows everything. Now, here's the thing. Um, You know, one of the first things we learn with kids is not to be a know-it-all. The reason it's a problem, you know, I was trying to tell my son, it's like, you know a lot of stuff, bro, but if you seem like a know-it-all, people are not going to like you. And the reason that's annoying to us when people act like that is because we don't know everything. But there's a God in the heavens who actually does know everything. It's not strange or arrogant for him to be a know-it-all. He literally does know it all. Everything about us at all times. Um, And and, and David is going to write about that in this psalm. And he almost, he doesn't write about it like it's a theory or he's writing some PhD on how God knows everything. It's written more like a love song. Right, so as, we, as, as I read some of the psalm again, I want you just to imagine that John Legend is singing it, right? It's, it's like, it, it's more relational than that. He's not just saying, God, you know a lot of stuff. He's saying, God, you know me in a unique way. So um, I'm going to read uh, verse 13 again where he says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your work so wonderful. I know that full well. First, first thing we're going to talk through, uh, the thing to remind us about ourselves and others is we're made by God. Very simple. We're made by God. David is amazed at how he was made, and he wants to give credit what credit is due. The God made us is obviously one of the most basic truths in all of uh, uh, the universe, but it's also something that will continue to be debated. It's also something that people will continue to push back on. It will continue to be difficult for people to believe. What I want to know is the way that David talks about it here, what does that have to do um, with God's intimate knowledge of us, right? How, how does this psalm, how does that fit into this psalm about how God knows us, the fact that he made us? Small example, um, this iPhone in my pocket, which Sometimes people are like, Trip, what, is that an iPhone 4? Why is it so small? No, I just like the small one, all right? Anyway, this iPhone right here, like if, if, if somebody in 1985 found this iPhone sitting on the ground um, and someone said, hey, what is that? People would have no idea. They wouldn't know what to do with it, right? They might be like, oh, man, this is a shiny coaster, right? They, they would have no idea what to do with it. The only way that someone could possibly know what, what to do with it is if the person who made it told them in a similar fashion. Um, there are, because of the way that we're made and we're made by God for particular purposes, that does not mean that we can't be misused. So I could use this for a coaster, but it's obviously not what it was made for. And there are obviously things that it was made to do that it's not going to do. And there are obviously ways that using it as a coaster would be bad for it. God, because he made us, not only has intimate knowledge, but he knows exactly what we were created for and exactly what we're like, and he has authority over us because of that. So we can, like the person finding an iPhone, try to figure it out for ourselves. But the problem with not knowing and just trying is we come up with bad answers for who human beings really are. That we're a one in a trillion ex- uh, accident or we're just like the rest of the animals except we, we stand up with it. Some of us have dignity and others don't. Or some are fully human and others are not. Or some are worthy of love and others aren't. 
Every sin against someone else and against ourselves happens because we do not grasp this truth that we are made by God, that God made us. It's because that hasn't really sunk in. And, you know, I think sometimes we think, why should I just let God just have authority over every little thing? I mean, um, when you make something, you have authority over it. There's an authority that comes with making something. Um, My two-year-old Silas, uh, we was at a um, recital for my daughter last night. It was very cute. I really only cared about my daughter's parts, but very cute. My son, Silas, is running around, and he's, like, not listening very well, and I feel deeply uh, bothered by that. And I'm like, a lot of people are watching right now. How am I going to discipline him? But part of what makes perfect sense to us as parents, that this is my child, I have authority over them, I made them, I'm trying to help shape them into who God has made them to be. This is God over all of creation. Scripture's clear, the earth is the Lord and all is in it. So God has authority to speak into these things because he's made us. You may say, Trip, I know this. Let's just lay these foundations. I think because of how creation accounts go, I think sometimes we think that God threw us together really quick. Um... You know, because it says God spoke and there was, right? It, right here, David is not only telling us that God made us, but also how God made us, describes how. So, you know, you know, we think, oh, maybe it wasn't a big deal. You know, God was able to make us real quick, and he still had the rest of his day to watch Netflix or do whatever God does in the heavens. But I don't want you to mistake God's creating power for laziness. I don't want you to mistake the fact that it wasn't something that was difficult for God to do, that it meant somehow it didn't mean that much to him. Verse 13 says, you knit me together in my mother's womb. That word gives the impression of God weaving us together. You ever seen someone like knit or crochet? I don't know which one this is, but the one where you do this. (laughs) Or have you ever just gotten like a crochet sweater or a knit sweater from somebody. Maybe your grandma gave you a sweater or some mittens, and maybe the holes was a little big, so a lot of air was seeping through, but it's the thought that counts because you know that doing this one by one and making an entire thing means that there was care given to that. When he says we were knit together in our mother's womb, what he wants us to know is that God did not create us haphazardly, right? God gave it great time and attention. Verse 14, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are beautiful. I know that full well. So he's saying, I know what your work is like. He's saying, I've seen your work, God. So he's saying, not only did God make us carefully, he also did a good job. Your works are wondrous. I know this. He's saying, you made sharks and elephants and insects and mountains and me. Right? You ever seen something so beautiful and incredible? I remember one time I was in Montana. Don't ask me why I was in Montana. I was the only black person there. But I looked into the, the, the sky and I saw just everywhere I looked, it looked like there were just paintings, beautiful paintings of mountains in the sky. It was so beautiful. And I'm like, the same God that made that beautiful, remarkable, wonderful, majestic thing made me. David is saying, God, you're my favorite artist. I love your work, and I found out that I'm one of your works. If I can look at your works and say, this is the greatest creator of all time, how dare I look at myself in the mirror and discount the work you've done? He's saying, I know your works are wonderful, and I know uh, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. David is reflecting on the fact that his favorite artist, his favorite creator knows him and made him. You ever think about how it makes you feel to know that somebody that you think is important or somebody that you admire knows you and cares about what you're doing? You ever had somebody you love just check on you for no reason? 
and the love you feel that they're thinking about you and what you're, what you're doing. Um, so just like we know that every artist, you know, a singer, a songwriter, right, writes every melody with purpose, there's something he's doing, God, it's the same way. God takes his work seriously. So that, that means your brown skin is on purpose. That means your long legs are on purpose. That means your green eyes are on purpose. That means my short torso is on purpose somehow. God did that on purpose. Do we always know why? No. But we know that he did it on purpose. Uh, I remember being in this art class in middle school um, where I was, like, making pottery, and everything I made was horrible. None of it was very good, but I would give it to my mom, and she'd be like, my goodness, this is beautiful. She's like, I know you spent so much time on that. What she doesn't know is I was just playing with my friends, and I was like, we got two minutes, and I just mushed some together. And that's what I gave her. But part of, to her, what made it seem interesting was she was like, oh, no, 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 I know you spent all this time putting this together. Now, what we do is we look at ourselves and we look at other people and we discount the incredible creation work of God and we act like it's something he just randomly threw together. You cannot tell me that when you are attacking another person made in the image of God, that it's not somehow because you're not thinking about what it means for them to be made in the image of God. You're discounting what he's done. He didn't randomly throw us together like I did that pottery. So he's praising God for his incredible work. Um, And, you know, sometimes we think insecurity is not as bad as cutting other people down, but to assume that we're the exception to God's wonderful work is to ignore credit where credit is due. I just want you to know human beings in general are amazing. Doctors are still trying to understand all the complexities of our system. I just talked to somebody out there who just got a new uh, tattoo, and when you get a tattoo and they put ink into your skin and then your skin scabs and heals over to make sure everything is fine, or if you get a cut, your skin just goes back. I mean, human beings are incredible. Um, I remember one time I, I had a, 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 a tear in my lung. It repaired itself over a few days. The bodies of human beings are incredible. God has made us. But it's not only our, um, our body. Scripture says that we were made in God's image, that there's something special about how God made us. He made everything, but there's something special about us. Y'all still with me? Image of God is a hard concept to, to grasp sometimes because we're like, I don't know what God looks like. So what does it mean for there to be an image of him? You know, someone shows me a, a statue of Socrates And I see it, I'm like, I guess that's what he looked like. I'm not sure, never seen him. So I think it's hard for us to think, what does it mean for something to be in the image of God? It's a strange phrase, especially when you see, you know, your clumsy friend stumble down the stairs and you're like, this is the image of God? (laughs) So it gets lost a little bit what that means for God to make us in his likeness, especially when we do things that don't seem very God-like. But here's what we know. Um, The main thing is that in a way, different than all of creation, we are like God. Scripture doesn't, like, give us a list of we're like him like this and we're like him like this. But what Scripture is really clear about um, is we're different than the rest of creation in that way. And that we represent him in a, in a, in a unique way. And we have authority from him in a unique way. Um, in a way that none of the rest of creation does. Um, something that used to happen um, a long time ago is that uh, rulers would put statues of themselves um, in, their, 
territories. So as people walk by, they would see that statue and they would say, oh yeah, I remember I am under the rule of this person. What God has done with us by, by putting um, creation made in his image in his creation is we are little symbols of his rule, his dominion, his kingdom. You are a picture of the rule of God. You are a little picture of what it looks like for God to rule. So when we decide, I will not God, let God rule over my life, what we've done is we've taken uh, one of the opportunities for God to show off how incredible he is out of creation. You're made to be like God. But this isn't just apply to you. It's also for the people that we interact with. People who's getting on your nerves this week, that's a little picture of what God is like. Um, you know, if you came into my house and there was a, a picture of my beautiful mom on the table and you saw that picture and you kicked it over and you stepped on it, I'd be like, bro, what did my mom do to you? It's like, oh, no, 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 it's not your mom. It's just I didn't like that picture. I'd be like, that's a picture of my mom that you're stomping on. Obviously, you have a problem with my mom. And in the same way, we may say, no, 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 I don't have a problem with God. I just don't like this person. Well, I want you to understand that that person is a representation of God himself. This is why Scripture is always super clear, like, how are you going to say you love God, but you don't love your brother who you see? This is why Scripture says that murder is wrong, because that person is made in the image of God. What we do to image bearers reflect what we think about the one that they image. You cannot say this, this clear picture of who God is, I hate and want to do harm to that, while also saying I love God and want to seek what he says is good. That's why scripture argues that way. We're made in the image of God. We're meant to mirror him. We're meant to be statues of him. Y'all still with me? You know, and so one of our goals should be then, if we're made by God, to, to treat people the way that God would treat them, to see them the way that God would see them. And you may say, but I don't know what God would do in this situation. I don't, I don't know what God would do were he to be exactly in my situation. And one of the incredible things about the good news is that there was a time when God actually put on human flesh and lived as a man with difficult people, in difficult situations, in a difficult place, at a difficult time. We have a picture of what God is like in human form and how gracious of God to do that and to give that to us. God allows us to, to reflect him. Um, and so just one thing I just want to say is that our culture is just constantly teaching us to be discontent all the time. To look at all the things we don't really like about ourselves and the ways that we're insecure. We're comparing ourselves to other people's highlight reels and the fake low life they do. I saw this whole post about how uh, this travel blogger was just photoshopping themselves in all these beautiful locations. <laughs> and we're like, I'm just over here on the couch. I'm like, so are they. There's so many ways that, that we, we are so discontent, but I want to remind you that a text like this is an affirmation that God made you and he loves you. You're made in his image. And there's no particular kind of worth and value that we're after. I want you to know the most important thing about you is that you were made in the image of God. We're trying to find some unique thing that sets us apart and gives us worth and value. There's nothing of more worth or value than being made in the image of God. There's no one who can give that to you but God himself, and there's nobody who can take that from you. So whatever your circumstances are now, whatever things you're insecure about, whatever things you don't like about yourself, I want you to know you are made in the image of God. Um, and nobody can take that away from you. The same 
can be said about the people around us. They are made in the image of God. They're God's. Some of us think too little of ourselves, but it's good to remember that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Some of us think too much of ourselves, too. It's good to remember you were fearfully and wonderfully made. A creator crafted you, right? All the, the good, incredible, glorious things that are in you were put in there by a God um, who made you to reflect him. It's a good thing for us to remind one another as we wrestle with insecurities, as we wrestle with pride. It's a good thing to remind one another. You know, you're talking to your friends and they're excited about something that they've done. You ever talk to somebody and they like recount a whole conversation and they'd be like, and then he was like, and let me tell you what I said. This was crazy. I told him this. I said, that's actually not how these systems work. And then I pulled up the spreadsheet, right? And there can be times uh, when it's good for us to remind each other, like, let's praise God for that particular thing. Like, let's celebrate that and let's remember um, that that intelligence comes from a God who's in the heavens. Let's celebrate him. Um, This helps us not to think too much or too little of ourselves and others. um, Last thing I'll say here is that it also keeps us from taking uh, dignity and worth away from other other people. I I read this um, uh, Northern Anthology of Literature. It talked about Phyllis uh, Wheatley and the poems that she wrote. And one of the things that was crazy to me was um, she wrote a poem and it destroyed all these racist dudes' entire worldview. It was very hard. They couldn't admit that she had written that poem because if they did, they would have to admit that she was fully human and, and uh, uh, capable of the same kind of intelligent things that they were. They made her come and write a poem in front of them. As long as they could think she wasn't capable, they could think she wasn't fully human and they could justify their treatment of people. And I just want you to know, if we keep this truth at the front of our mind, and we understand that that changes the way that we interact with our neighbors. It changes the way we dis, uh, interact with people we disagree with. I know this is a polarizing time in our culture, and sometimes we give ourselves leeway to attack with hatred and vitriol other people who we think are on the, the wrong side of important things. I want you to know that person is made in the image of God. And that should change how we interact. Um, God knows us better than we know ourselves. Number one, we're made by God. Number two, we're known by God. Uh, If you remember here when uh, I was a pastor, then you would know my first point is always the longest, don't get afraid. (laughs) And then I try not to do it, and I just keep doing it. So, Um, Does anybody here babysit? Let's raise your hand if if you've ever babysat. Okay. Very few men raising their hand, praise God. You shouldn't let men watch your kids. Um, we're not responsible. Um, uh, but one of the things that happens with babies, I'm just joking. That's a joke. Uh, a few of us are responsible. But one of the things that happens when you let someone babysit is that person has to be very much aware of what the child is doing. So you can't just, um, just be sitting in the same room. You have to watch them carefully, especially with a child who's, who's incapable of making all the best decisions and can get into trouble. And can, right? They have to be watching closely and kind of uh, guiding and shaping what that child is doing. And I want you to know that this is what God does with his creation. That God hasn't just created and let it run wild and wonder what's going to happen. There's a God who's very closely watching and guarding and guiding what's happening with the creation that he's made. Um, verse 15, it says, my frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. 
uh, David is saying, you didn't make me and then hide your face. You didn't make me and forget I existed. My frame isn't hidden from you. You're watching me very closely. You knit me together in my mother's womb. You know, I remember when um, my wife uh, got pregnant with our first son, and we found out on a uh, Saturday night and on um, that same week, Monday morning, we went to the, the doctor's office, and we heard a heartbeat. That blew me away. There was a little person in there. We didn't even know they existed yet, but that God had already been knitting together and that there was, uh, that baby was developing. And we put that picture on our fridge, and then we got an app that would keep us up to date with that baby's development. They'd be like, today, your baby is the size of baked beans. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, oh, now your baby is the size of a small, the cuties, the small oranges, like the clementine, not the big ones yet. And it would give you these little pictures, and it's like, I don't, really know how to quantify that. But it was trying to, it was cool though, because it gave a picture of what was going on in there. I just want you to know that God does not have to have an app to know what's going on with babies that he's knitting together in the womb. That far before we know those children are even there, God does and he's knitting them together. Right, and he always, already has good works planned before them and he knows what's going to happen in their lives. He's guiding them in those directions. It is a it is incredibly freeing to me to know that there's stuff that I can't keep my eye on that God has his eye on. That even if I did have my eye on it, I couldn't do everything that needed to be done to guide it in the right direction. But that this all-knowing God also happens to be the all-powerful God and all-good God. If he knew everything but he wasn't powerful, it wouldn't matter. If he knew everything and he was powerful but it wasn't good, but he wasn't good, it wouldn't matter. But he's not only all-powerful, he's also all-knowing and all-good. Knitting babies together in the womb. Um, to me, part of what this does is it tells us that just because we can't see someone, a human being, doesn't mean they're not made in the image of God as a human being. You know, one of the things it says is a, a person doesn't randomly become a person once they come out of the womb. It's already a person that God knows and that he loves. Right? He says, my frame, when I was uh, made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days for me were written in your book. This speaks to the dignity of people who haven't been born yet. And this is a, you know, it's a heated topic in our culture, but this is not a political issue. This is what it means for us to know that people are made in the image of God. There's nothing in Scripture that suggests that you begin to be a person once you come out of the womb. And, and here's the thing that happens. When we selectively um, apply the image of God, then it makes some people feel like, okay, because I know that unborn person is a person, I can now treat the, um, the woman who wasn't expecting this pregnancy as if she's not a person made in the image of God. And we like to pick and choose who we think of as made in the image of God. We like to pick and choose who we think of as someone who needs to be loved the way that God loves them. The best way for us to treat people with favoritism is to forget that everybody's made in the image of God. It's to assign to some people more dignity and worth and value based on that. What Scripture is really clear on is every single person is made in the image of God. How does that impact the way that we love our neighbor? How does that impact our relationships? Y'all still with me? So, so here's what, what, what I want to encourage us to do. Even, even on this abortion conversation, I want to encourage you. To listen closely to people's actual experiences. 
Because one of the things we love to do is we like it to be really complicated and nuanced with us and very black and white with others. We like with us to be like, no, but I was having a bad day, you know what I'm saying? And, I, and I was, it was a rough season. I had just lost my job recently. And that's why, I, that, that's why this particular thing happened. And then with others, it's very easy to demonize. I want to encourage you because everybody's made in the image of God with dignity and value and worth to listen to people. It's very difficult for us to love people well if we demonize and minimize them to a decision we don't like. What's really clear in this scripture is that God loves and cares for not only the lives of the unborn, but also the lives of mothers who weren't expecting and weren't excited about a baby. And I think one of the reasons it's hard for our culture to take our witness and saying that we care about human life seriously is because we apply it so inconsistently at times. We don't get to pick and choose who we treat as made in the image of God. We don't get to pick and choose who we think is willing to, uh, it's a good thing to, to sacrifice for and to speak up for. Everyone's made in the image of God. So the scripture's really clear on. Verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed body. Just a reminder that if God forgot about you, you would know. Heart beating, God has not forgotten about you. Lungs pumping oxygen. God has not forgotten about you. Um, you know, old church lady said, I woke up in my right mind. God has not forgotten about you. New mercies every morning. And I, I just need us to understand the universe doesn't run without God. And, and God knows you and he uses his knowledge to serve you and love you. Um, have, have you ever known someone who you let them know, you feel like I let them know too much and they used it against me? And you couldn't trust them? This is a God who him knowing a lot is good for you. Uh, uh, Pastor John used to talk about being fully known and fully loved. There's a God who knows every single thing about you and loves us. He says, uh, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God has a whole plan for your life, right? He knows what he's doing. Um, uh, me and my wife are uh, trying, to, trying to buy a house, and I'm like, where the house is at, Lord? That's <laughs> why so I got on my knees. I said, Father in heaven, where the house is at, Lord? And, you know, one of the things that uh, was an encouragement to me is that God already knows what house we're going to be in. It's stuff I don't know. It's some house and somebody has it ain't on the market, and I have no idea what's going to happen. Maybe one of you is going to give me a house, even now. <laughs> I don't know. But one of the things that's comforting to me is that all the stuff we don't, you know, we freak out when we don't have all the information. It's very scary to us because we don't know what we're going to do or how we're going to get from point A to point B. I want you to know you, you, we don't have to freak out when we don't have all the information. In fact, if we did have all the information, we would freak out. There's stuff we don't know that we could not handle all of that information. There is a God in the heavens who knows everything. And it happens to be that same God who's all powerful and all good. Um. He's all wise, he knows everything, and he has everything 
planned out. So I'll say this, you know, you may say, but I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I just want to say it's okay because God knows. I can't see what's going to happen with this difficult relationship. It's okay because God sees. I can't control how we're going to work through this. I want you to know God is in control and he can. Um, And it's okay that we don't have perfect knowledge of ourselves um, because there's a God who does. God is all wise. He's all powerful. He's all present. And that's really good news. Maybe, maybe you're here today and you're saying, I know you said this is like some love song from David talking about it's amazing that God, maybe it doesn't move you that God has perfect knowledge of you. But I just want to say, what if I told you um, that God knows all your mess and he still came in human form and sacrificed himself to draw sinners to himself? Right? The people who know your deepest, darkest secrets, they don't know all your deepest, darkest secrets. The thoughts that you have. God knows all of our thoughts. He he sees us when we sit down, when we lay down, when we get up, when we think. God knows all of that. And let me tell you, that is terrifying if you're looking at God as his enemy who does not know him. But I want you to know there's good news. None of us have to be God's enemy. That God willingly welcomes us and says, repent of your sins, come to me. And instead of knowing me as judge, you can know me as savior. Did Jesus would say, I, I see all your mess, and I know all the mess you're going to commit, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to earth, and I'm going to pay for it. That, that's what Jesus has done. And, he, and even today, he's saying, I know you completely, and still I want you here. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you're not really sure where you are with Jesus, I want you to know there is nobody. There is nobody who could know you so perfectly and who could love you so perfectly. And that's really good news. Um, God knows us better than we know ourselves. And you want to know what God does with that knowledge? He loves us. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for your word, Father. That you've spoken to us about who you are and who we are and who others are. Father, my prayer is that this would not be um, theoretical information, Father, but that this would be biblical foundation that helps us to interact with those around us, Lord. Father, help us to be better friends, better spouses, better classmates, better coworkers, um, because we understand who we are and who others are. We ask in Jesus' name.